everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adventures in DevOps. Joining me in the studio today, my lovely co-host, Jillian Rowe. Hello. And we have a special guest with us today. I'm Will Button, your host, and joining us is Jan Ledger. Welcome, Jan. Hello, Will. Hello, Jillian. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for being here. I'm looking forward to this. And, um, how about kick us off? Give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I'm today I'm the co-founder and, and CEO of a company called Koyev, um, and I'm actually uh, building stuff in the cloud space for like ten years. Also, uh, I've built several cloud service providers. Uh, before today, um, it's again a cloud service provider that we're building at Koyev. Um, we basically simplify application deployment, so we let uh, developers and businesses um, easily deploy applications um, in a way where they don't have to deal with infrastructure. So we abstract this um, for them, and we've been I've been doing uh, basically kind of this job for on. on 10, 15 years now, um, since we've built two other cloud service providers before, uh, one which is called Scaleway and another one which is uh, which was called Outscale. It's now 3DS Outscale, um, based in Europe. Um, so that's a, a small uh, story. Right on. So I guess my first question is, why build another cloud service provider um, I'm assuming that there's a specific need that you've identified that's not addressed by the other ones. Yeah, so um, I think like we uh, over time we've moved up in the stack. So um, we have a, a fundamental belief, and we have seen it that like uh, infrastructure technologies are evolving every, uh, I mean every year, but uh, there are cycles like uh, with uh, every five years there's something new uh, coming up and something major coming up. Um, if you look at the last uh, 20, 25 years, I mean, before people, 20 years ago, people were more or less racking servers in data centers. Um, then it moved to uh, virtualization with uh, VMware, which uh, kind of won this battle at first. Uh, you saw the emergence of uh, IAS after this uh, with AWS, which came up with EC2. Um, and um, then we saw Kubernetes uh, winning kind of uh, a portion of, of the market and uh, uh, being the new standard to deploy apps. And we're a believer in basically having a higher level of abstraction, which is kind of serverless uh, as a um, feeling, I'd say, uh, in the sense that you don't need to think about um, clusters or orchestration and that it's built by um, by the provider, uh, basically. And so the experience we are trying to provide today is an experience where uh, you take uh, a repository of code, uh, we will build it into a container, and we will run it uh, on our uh, infrastructure on your behalf. 
so that you don't have to think about orchestration or you don't have to think about anything advanced, uh, including like networking, load balancing, which is going to be provided by us. Um, and um, yeah, and you can actually deploy a multiple location in the world. We will take care of like deploying your application, uh, doing again the networking in this condition. And so our backstory is this basically trying to bring this uh, new level of abstraction where you think even less about infrastructure than before. Um, yeah, I would say that's uh, uh, the reason why uh, we jumped on this uh, new venture, um, even if initially it was a, a slightly different, but we ended up going this route uh, on this uh, last venture with, with Payab. Gotcha. Right on. That makes sense because it seems like, from my perspective anyways, that a lot of applications look very similar from an infrastructure perspective. You know, they may be doing completely different things, but like you mentioned, from an infrastructure perspective, it almost always comes down to multiple containers sitting behind a load balancer and then, you know, some different disk storage or database options within that. Yeah. And the thing is like, um, we, so we try to provide a higher level of abstraction where you don't have to really think about the number of servers which are running or the number of virtual machines which are running uh, for you. Um, but um, uh, at the end, we still run like on, on, on our end, our uh, job and our business is about running like uh, containers and virtual machines uh, for end users. So, uh, we package apps inside of micro VMs uh, and we provide the load balancing layer so that you don't have to deal with it. Um, and we do it from the ground up. So we went um, into a direction where we don't rely on, on like large mainstream providers on AWS or GCP or Azure. We run on, on top of our machines so that we have like basically more control. Um, on the infrastructure layer and so that we can give you actually better performance and that you are not limited with the implementation of the large cloud vendor uh, because they have their own limits. Uh, right. So, yeah. How long have you been um, working on this? On this new um, product, uh, it's been two years and a half. Uh, okay, right on. Nice. Nice. Are you focusing on any particular like size of customer or specific um, uh, application stack or market segment? Is there anyone who's like better suited to use your service versus another? We basically, so we're not running after a large enterprise uh, at this stage. Uh, so we're focusing more on, um, I'd say, um, Smaller businesses, uh, startups, um, seed stage, series A startups, uh, or um, agencies, or anybody who actually uh, is able to move fast and willing to move fast. Um, and um, in terms of stack, um, we have uh, we are able to support a large variety of applications in the sense that we are providing a platform. Uh, so. Um, and you can actually uh, come up with a repository of code, uh, which can be in when we support C 
six or seven languages where we built directly. So uh, if you have a Python application, a Golang application, uh, PHP application, Ruby application, Java application, we will build it automatically for you. Um, and if our build engine doesn't properly build your application, you can fall back to uh, putting a Docker file in your repository. Uh, we will build this for you uh, too. Uh, and if, if you want to control the CI process, uh, you can also directly deploy um, pre-built Docker container that you build on your own. So you are quite a, a lot of options going from like something completely uh, managed where you don't think about build at all. Uh, if you want to get more control, uh, we let you do that too. Right on. That makes a lot of sense, especially in the, the early stage environment. I think that's where one area where a service like this can be really helpful because you know, like I've spent a lot of my career working with startups in those early stages. You have people who are experts in writing code, but maybe they don't have those strong infrastructure skills, which can lead to some uh, unique configurations that potentially don't scale well. So going this route definitely would be advantageous for them. Yeah, I mean... As long as you don't have like a, a really large infrastructure, we don't um, see why you would want as a business to basically dedicate resources to uh, uh, building infrastructure. So we're trying to make it so that you don't have to hire anybody specialized um, in infrastructure for a while. Uh, basically, we do, uh, if you're a larger organization, you might have someone who is going to, uh, um, you want, might want someone to help you basically give good practices to your teams or even set up some automation. Like, I don't know, if you have several engineering teams and you're building on top of Koyev, you might also need some like um, some skills around DevOps, actually, or um, architecture. Uh, but we are trying to make it so that you, you don't need it um, in the initial phases where you're anyway struggling to uh, uh, hire. Um, and yeah, it's like uh, uh, hiring DevOps uh, is, a, is a job on its own. So, <laughs> uh, uh, or finding people with the right skills um, is a job on its own. So we're trying to bring something which, and even if you have the skills, uh, uh, it's probably going to take you a, a, a few months uh, to build it. So, uh, to build uh, something which is distributed across the multiple um, locations. For instance, it's not that easy uh, on building with a VTI pipeline. So, um, yeah, so that's the spirit. Right on. Nice. What, um, like, if someone starts using the service, what level of input do they need to provide as far as? You're handling the the scaling and the um, the fault tolerance and stuff. Do they need to provide like um, memory and CPU requirements or minimum and maximum thresholds and things like that? Yeah. So at this stage, what you need to provide is basically you need to tell us how much uh, CPU and memory your service needs for each in- instance, um, and uh, you need to define the scaling uh, yourself 
at this stage. We'll provide auto scaling too. Uh, so it should be live in, in Q4. Um, and um, you need to decide where your container is going to be running in which countries in the world. So we made it on purpose. We could like have a, a, a strategy where we deploy everywhere in the world, but uh, um, it might actually be counterproductive for some application, uh, depending on where the database is, for instance. And um, we're because we're focusing on like uh, full stack apps and APIs, so it's not like front uh, uh, end apps where you need it to be just like uh, at the edge and uh, you want it to be cache only. Uh, so we let you run complete full stack apps, um, and you can decide if you want to be, it to be running. So we are we just announced like one week ago. Uh, four new locations in early access. So we have six core locations today. Um, so you can deploy across uh, Europe, US, and Asia. Um, and you can decide if you want uh, the app to be running across in one location or in six or, uh, or anything in between. Um, and um, yeah, and so we will, um, once you decide um, which, how much memory you want to dedicate to your app, uh, for instance, how many instances are going to be running per location. Uh, we take care of provisioning um, this inside, inside of uh, micro VMs uh, on other of this location. We provide the load balancing layer uh, with private networking built in um, and a global load balancer. Uh, in full of it, so uh, you don't have to add anything in front, and you also have like edge caching, which is provisioned by default. Um, and um, yeah, and then you're good to go. Uh, I would say. Right on. That's um, that's a lot for you to build and support. What was that process like for you as you were just starting out the company? And I mean, how did you tie all of that stuff together? What was your approach there? Yeah, that's really interesting. Like just thinking all that goes into, well, I'm going to start up a bunch of data centers around the world and then go support a lot of users, like even just the motivation to do that. Just like just that sentence makes me feel tired. So I'm really wondering like, <laughs> what were kind of the challenges and some of the motivation and, you know, like everything that was kind of happening behind the scenes for you to even say like, all right, let's like, let's go do this. Yeah. So, I mean, we were we were always building infrastructure. So I think <laughs> it kind of biased, uh, biases everything. Like when you look at it, uh, uh, because like at scale, we were even lower in the stack. So we were at some point building ARM servers, like really the PCB and so on, uh, like the design of the servers themselves. Uh, and we were producing them, getting them racked uh, into data centers, uh, data centers we were controlling. So uh, it was even lower in the stack, and now we are higher. The, the way we built, uh, built it is we don't rack the servers ourselves. Uh, we, we found this like it's too tiring at this stage. <laughs> uh, so maybe we'll do it again when we need it, but uh, uh, if somebody can do it on our on, for us, uh, it's better. So we don't have to do this. That's already a good point. Um, and so, yeah, we're just um, 
um, renting um, parallel servers all around the world. Um, and the way, so we started, we were on the, we are three co-founders originally. So, um, and we're all three um, software engineers by training. Uh, so, um, yeah, we were able to build a bunch of, of it uh, on our own. We started with one single location. Um, and uh, if you look it up, so yeah, we added progressively over the last two years uh, features. So we added the build engine. Initially, it was only uh, Docker containers which were deployed. Uh, then we added the build from um, from GitHub. Uh, we added, uh, we quickly added the networking parts um, because uh, it's something we felt in the past was a thing, uh, basically. Um, in our previous experiences, like building, um, if you want to spread a, um, infrastructure across multiple uh, locations and multiple uh, countries, uh, there is a question on how to transport uh, traffic between all of these locations. So um, from the ground, up, we built a, a service mesh inside of the product so that you don't have to um, uh, basically think about encrypting your connections uh, between your loca locations. So you can basically deploy um, APIs and microservices um, in, on two continents. Uh, if you have, like, for instance, a, a user microservice which needs to be running only in the US uh, on a billing microservice, um, and the rest of the microservices are going to be spread out in the world, uh, you don't have to think about connectivity. Um, and that's something we built this way because we had the problem in our previous life uh, and it basically slowed us down in terms of deploying. Um, and yeah, I think we, we just added up features um, um, over the last two years following like the feedback we collected uh, from the initial uh, users also to try to prioritize. I think we were pretty clear on where we wanted to go. Uh, from the ground up. Um, but uh, the key challenge we have is actually making sure we go fast enough for uh, uh, for the users because we are not alone on, 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 on this journey, actually on trying to simplify the, the uh, application deployment journey. I think. For sure. Yeah, I, I'm one of those people I would definitely pay large sums of money to avoid ever going into a data center again. Me too. Right there with you. Like I heard you talking about ARM and I was just immediately like, no, no, not doing this. It's <laughs> fighting with GPU containers too right before my vacation. So, no. Yeah, so it, it's um, it just like it feels um, there are so many businesses where um, you have, they dedicate time to uh, uh, doing stuff. Um, I mean, I, I hear a lot of like early stage startup like speaking about communities where they don't have the resources or the time to waste on doing this because it's not their core business. I mean, we're we're wasting a lot of time on, on infrastructure orchestration, but it's our it's our business. So, uh, uh, but um, we're just seeing so many like companies, um, yeah, thinking about like Kubernetes uh, uh, and this kind of stuff when. Um, it's not part of their product. So, um, and it's just like that's for, for 
like, how are you competing with these big cloud platforms? Because one of the first things that I thought is like, but AWS gave me startup credits. Is it more of like a, you know, you're actually talking to the people. So you have like the people to people connection or like, am I just cheap? Am I like, hey, startup credits, you know, and like things like this. How, like, how does that all work? It's true that like fighting with free money against free money is <laughs> is changing. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, the fact is, uh, yeah, when when uh, <laughs> if you have to decide between paying money or or, or getting like free money, um, looks more compelling at first to take the free money and deploy there. Then I'd say um, the reality is some people realize that even if it's if they are giving you uh, ten grand or, or or whatever uh, money uh, you are still spending time, and um, and so yeah, we're basically trying to provide value to the people that realize that their time is more valuable than the free credit. Um, I'd say that's a, uh, that's a play uh, oh, like and and some there is a lot of companies lucky for us that realize that it's. Um, it's a waste of like time and that they need to spend this time on building the product um, instead of building their infrastructure. So, um, and then like um, one key thing for us is to get known. So we produce like content on, on getting started. Um, so we have several tutorials on how to get started uh, with deploying uh, Python Flask, for instance, or uh, Golang. Uh, Gene on the platform um, and trying to help like people who want to get started fast. Um, and so, yeah. And the key advantage we have competing with these large players is uh, if you look at AWS and you want to uh, figure out how to deploy an app, you're probably going to have like 10 options. Uh, so if you're not, uh, and I think it's like real, like if you, there is a page which lists you all the way to deploy an app. Uh, so um, if you're not familiar with AWS, uh, you might give up pretty fast. Uh, so, um, and people will tend to look for a faster way to deploy. So that's one thing. Um, and the other side of the story is basically price performance where uh, we are way better because um, not because we have a, a, a higher scale than them, uh, for sure, but uh, basically because they do insane mountains. Uh, and they, so we do same mountains <laughs> and we can provide way better uh, performance for cheaper than them. So um, I think it's a two, two axes. One is like uh, getting people to that realize that their time is more valuable than understanding all the product of AWS. Um, and uh, the other one is just like price performance more. We are pretty good at it um, compared to, uh, to the rest of the launch players. I can definitely see that. When I first got started with AWS, I remember like so desperately just trying to figure out how do I SSH into the server? Like how, <laughs> like it made me so annoyed. I wrote an article about it. I was like, this is how you do it, people. Uh, so I can definitely imagine if you're not like a, you know, DevOps person. And like you said, you want to just deploy your web application and there's a specialized service to do that. And you don't have to deal with the, you know, 80 million AWS options, which is nice when you need that many options. But if you don't need them all, you know, yeah, you might be better off just going with a service that's easier to use. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, when we looked at it, so to build what we have today, we need at least eight different products on AWS. So, um, which is uh, um, which is fine if you're familiar with AWS, I guess. Um, but um, yeah, so we one the key thing we thought about when we we built it. So we we thought about basically going with um, providing a primitive which which is functions, uh, for instance, uh, instead of like letting you deploy a repository, a standard repository. Um, but um, we didn't want people to have to change the application. Um, so, to, and we felt like functions are still not standardized um, today. Um, so that basically you cannot move them around. You don't like learn a, a you need to learn a, a way specific to AWS to deploy functions. I mean that's still our feeling today. Um, so. The way we approached it is like uh, we want you to be able to use your classical app, uh, any with any framework you have today, and we kind of make make it happen uh, for you. Um, and the end game in the long run is ideally also if we need to split it on your behalf uh, into functions, uh, we will do it for you so that you don't have to think about like basically this packaging way because functions to us is a packaging. Uh, um, way and it's not like a, a, a paradigm uh, because you can do the same with containers. So um, and actually you can now run containers on function on AWS. Uh, or <laughs> you can run Docker containers on Lambda now. So yeah, just to mess things up and to make it more easier for people. Yeah, I think a really good point to to highlight on all of that. You mentioned that. Typically in AWS, you need eight different AWS products to launch your stack. And one key thing there is you can actually misconfigure each of those eight different products multiple ways and your application still runs, but that's going to expose or possibly lead to different scenarios that you don't identify and definitely don't want. So, yeah, I think giving people like this... um, the standardized path with limited number of options is definitely a winning scenario for people who are um, more focused on delivering product features and getting their application deployed instead of building and learning how to configure infrastructure. But the thing is, like, um, you can then add flexibility. Uh, I'd say, like, once you have like this basic set of things, you can add up the flexibility on top. So the, the key change. Uh, is to consistently fight on the developer experience so that like every time you add a feature, it doesn't add complexity and that the default is sane enough. Uh, I mean, historically, I think like it was kind of the uh, philosophy on, on Rails, like on really on Rails, they had this like uh, thing which was uh, we will give you a default configuration which is going to be working and you can change it. Uh, uh, and so that's what we are trying to do. We don't want uh, at the end to have like the same issue that Heroku um, had, which is basically cap the features. Uh, it's not either a strategy because then you're losing people to on AWS when they outgrow the platform. 
so the end game and the challenge for us is that in the future to be able to provide you in a flexibility so that you can grow with us and that you won't outgrow the platform. Um, and anyway, like in the current space, uh, if you're a cloud service provider, we're, whether it be like um, like us, we're mostly focused on compute. We are also going to have manage databases to the platform, but you have like um, a lot of play, players which are specialized in one area. Like you have people which are specialized on object storage. Um, so it goes into a game where you need to properly interoperate with other players on the market, uh, which um, is a key thing for us because um, there is also a lot of people who already have something set up somewhere, uh, and we need to be able to interoperate with these infrastructures. Um, so, yeah, I'd say it's like one of the, the key subjects also for us is how we do, how do we basically provide something which is like multi-cloud uh, in the sense that we don't, not in the sense that multi-cloud you need to run on simultaneous providers, the same thing, but more like uh, how do you do hybridation between different players. Uh, so that's um, one thing we are also focused on. We have a lot of like partnerships uh, with other players um, in the database space, for instance, as it's not our core product, uh, so that you can basically um, build up an infrastructure which is um, state of the art with the best of the players. Okay. Um, Right on. So you're just focusing on your core expertise and then partnering with people to leverage the things that there are experts on so that a customer using your platform gets to work with the experts for each individual part of their stack rather than having to negotiate all of these agreements themselves. Yeah, I mean, so we have different strategies, like uh, some we need to uh, uh, discuss with uh, some of our partners too, but I am we're focusing on helping you um, build a state-of-the-art infrastructure and getting this like um, done easily, um, I'd say. Uh, and so can be against through documentation or uh, helping you figure out like um, how to set up just like a, a, a Naven database, for instance, uh, with uh, Kriev. Um, so that we basically take care of the, the compute side and we deploy the AVEN database uh, with AVEN. Um, and so we're focusing on, on building up these partnerships um, so that you don't have to struggle uh, building it uh, on top of the site. So. Um, yeah. Right on. What is the... Um What's the interface look like for using this? Is it a, a web-based UI that you go in and set settings, or do you add a config file to your existing repository? Um, so you have a control. Uh, we provide a web UI. We provide also a CLI uh, if, you want, if you're not into web UIs, uh, or if you need to more uh, do standard mating, we have a REST API. Uh, behind it, so um, which is completely open, um, and we also provide like um, um, actually automation tooling if you uh, if you want to go further and, for instance, like um, automatically deploy um, dedicated apps for each of your customers. You can use Terraform or Plume. Um, oh, wow. That's all 
you can do um, on on the platform. Um, and by default, we just like uh, for a standard GitHub repository, we'll just like um, like if it's a Python um, project, we will read your setup.pi py uh, or your requirements.txt or poetry file uh, and build it for you. Um, and if you want to um, basically deploy multiple microservices on the platform um, and uh, do more. So today we don't have any like single centralized configuration file. We'll probably get, uh, add like a create.yaml at some point if you want to, to do this. Um, but uh, yeah, you can use Terraform or Kubernetes for uh, more complex scenarios um, where uh, you need to, to deploy like, thousands of microservices. Right on. Do you, um, just a personal question here, which one do you like better, Terraform or Palomi? Uh, this is... Uh, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> uh, uh, an actually subject related to that with a change of licensing to from an H. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so it's a, it's a dangerous slope, um, but... Uh, um, I'd say Pulumi is probably more future-proof. I mean, uh, in the sense that, like, um, uh, if you take it from, we've been huge believers that, like, the you need to do some software engineering around infrastructure. That the right way to do infrastructure is to uh, think about it like a, 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 a like a software engineer, and so Pulumi. Uh, allows you to do more uh, in this direction, I'd say, from 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 the from my team. Um, then, like uh, actually, Pulumi uh, should thank uh, a lot Ashikon because most of the connections <laughs> are, are built on top of Terraform. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, I think whenever we talk about moving and abstracting these up into to higher levels so that software engineers get more control over their infrastructure. The fact that Pulumi is very code native, I think it just ties into their skill sets and makes the learning curve a lot easier for them to approach and learn the platform. It also probably makes it easier if you really want to build a um like let's say a SaaS platform where um, each of your customer is going to have a dedicated like uh, um, uh, instance. Uh, for instance, uh, if you need to go through Terraform, I mean, yeah, it's going to be less native. So. I still like Terraform though. It's like I like it because you can't get too precious about it. You know, like what you see is what you get. Whereas as soon as you throw code at people, you start getting multiple layers of abstraction, and like nobody ever thinks of them the same and. I don't know. Terraform's just like it's just a fancy make file. Um, <laughs> so I have, I have mixed feelings about the whole. Like I know I probably should go learn Pulumi or the AWS CDK or something like that, and I'm like I just I don't want to, but I don't want to. Yeah, I, I think I'm saying this, but we're actually using Terraform for the automation. Uh, we're using Terraform internally in 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 Ansible. So um, me too. I'm still using Terraform in Ansible. Probably still be using Puppet too if um, 
somebody didn't make me switch to Ansible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's starting to be less hype, I'd say. Just a little. Yeah. Uh, and I think you had, uh, you were using Solting for the slides. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it seems like but in the no. last few years that Puppet and Salt have gotten a little bit quieter. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember uh, clearly we were using Salt internally for everything uh, in a previous life. And at some point, a new generation came up and said, why are you using Salt, guys? You need to use Ansible now. It's over. Uh, so, um, yeah, so we're... No more pillars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we're really like, I mean, on all, internally, we're pretty much like on, I mean, we're dealing with a bunch of stuff, uh, which also new generation phone gets, like I, IPXE, this kind of uh, stuff, uh, even DHGP, people forget about it. If you, uh, people using us don't need to care about this stuff. So, uh, but we are still very much like uh, at this level of the infrastructure internally. Um we still have the same old uh, problems, camera uh, problems, this kind of stuff. Uh, this didn't change behind the scene. I remember um, one of our investors sometime, at some point asked us, like, asked me basically, um, so, but if it's serverless, are there still serverless? Uh, <laughs> he was getting confused. Uh, um, and um, yeah. So, but yeah, the truth is, it's just like it's the same old thing as before. Uh, kind of different uh, because we replaced, I'd say, KVM with Firecracker. So uh, the networking stack is completely virtualized, uh, whereas before we had like uh, big old appliances or Cisco routers or, or, or this kind of uh, hardware. But now we managed to basically get it like completely virtualized. Um, but um, yeah. I had the same conversation like uh, HPC versus Kubernetes with somebody. And I was like, listen, it's all just it's just a bunch of computers like on a network with some shared storage, and like it's fine, it's fine. Like a cluster is a cluster, no matter what. Yeah, and, and if you look at the the storage technology, for instance, it's very really funny because like. Uh, 10 years ago, you had five of channel over Ethernet, uh, and now you have NVMe over uh, Ethernet. <laughs> so, I mean, okay, it's not the same media, it's faster, it's, it's a parallelized infrastructure. Uh, and you have several channels to, 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 to be faster and so far. So, it's completely different, but the principle is the same. So, that's, uh, that's my way of coping with the changes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think that's a, a really important thing to highlight for the value that you're providing is by using this service, you don't have to become an expert in the difference between fiber channel and NVMe. You can just write to storage and go, okay, we're done. Yeah, and so, and, and then we can enjoy internally having fun with it. And <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, let the people who care about it deal with it and, and let everybody else not. <laughs> away. 
you know, is the way that I like to think about it. Like, I do not care about networking, like, in the slightest. So somebody else doing that for me is great, but I, like, deeply care about, you know, the data management of your cancer data set. So, like, I want to, I want to be dealing with that all the time and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, no networking. I don't like networking. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Either computer or social. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a bit of both. Like, um, yeah, I never really got on my peopling skills back after COVID. I'm still like, oh, <laughs> like today I had to go to an ATM and the ATM and like the like the little plaza across the street was broken. And so they told me like, oh, go to the one in the mall. And I was like, go to the mall. Like there's people there. Right. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Oh, so yeah, any manner of networking, I want to do it. Yeah, but it's so fun. <laughs> no, no. So what kind of, you mentioned a little bit about the, um, about like a marketplace type feature. What other, um, what other new things are coming in the pipeline for you? So we have two big subjects. One is actually providing lab storage. Um, I mean, we have a lot of different subjects, but uh, blocks, uh, low-level storage and uh, um, and actually advanced networking capabilities are two key subjects. Uh, today, we limit you to um, inbound HTTP. So if you want to uh, still want to host something more advanced like a, a um, VOIP server or even a database on the platform, uh, you cannot expose like um, TCP port publicly. Uh, you can do it internally uh, through the mesh. Um, like if you want to have a private database, uh, you could technically uh, uh, do, it on the, do it on the networking side, but then we don't provide you block storage. So you'd have a, a slight problem. So we have these two key subjects which are coming up, um, which we, we need to tackle. Um, so really heavily um, infrastructure oriented and low low level, I'd say, and we need to kind of still pick up the right technology because it's um, yeah, I mean storage has evolved and not so much at the same time. Uh, so it's still a, 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 a yeah a mess. Um, <laughs> I mean, used to have the same trade-off. Um, so, and we also have like a feature on the higher level of the stack, uh, like preview environment, so that you can um, get like uh, um, new environment um, in a in a click uh, if you create a pull request on a new branch uh, as a software engineer. Um, so today you can do it, but you'd have to create multiple services, each one on, on a different branch. Uh, so we want to provide you know, the simplicity on, on this uh, side too. Um, and uh, auto-scaling also. So I think, I think it's like the four large subjects we still need to tackle, um, which are um, uh, in the short term. And before that, actually Manage Postgres is coming up in September. Oh, nice. I mean, if you have managed Postgres, do you really need anything? Because Postgres just kind of does it all. (laughs) Postgres has vector database capabilities now. That's like the most exciting thing that's happened in quite some time, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah, we actually, um, 
that's actually why we went with Postgres. Uh, I mean, it's really yeah. because the vector mm. database, <laughs> <laughs> or just like all the capabilities <laughs> in general. Database. Because now, now I want to know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, vector database is a key subject, and then on, on, in this direction, you have GPU. We're pretty good for inference because, like, we have like. Uh, high-end CPUs, so you'd get like a uh, good performance on the inference side. Uh, we don't provide you GPUs for training yet, uh, so that's also something on the back of uh, of our head. But uh, yeah, Postgres uh, with Vector DB uh, is one thing. Uh, you, we probably need a Redis also at some point. That's the two you, you need to say. I don't know. Yeah, you know, just throw Redis on there at any given time. Yeah. That's really neat, though. So you're talking about trainings. You have people who are like taking the data that I presume is generated like by the application and then going and training machine learning models on that and using your platform for that as well? Yeah, I mean, we store all kinds of use cases. So we have people trying to uh, uh, build training because basically we let you deploy API full stack apps and also workers. So um, if you have to, to run any like asynchronous uh, workloads, uh, you can also do this. And so... Um, this this is also uh, demand we, we get. Um, it's more a question of, of then now making it happen in terms of priority. Uh, we're still a small team, so um, uh, yeah. What's the? How long does it take to onboard a new customer? From like the time that I create an account on your service until I can deploy my application, What's how long does that take? Oh, I'd say one minute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we can do it now. <laughs> uh, it depends, like, uh, of, of the, uh, I mean, if it's a super sophisticated app with, like, tens of microservices, maybe more than one minute. Uh, if it's a basic API or full-stack apps, you can really get your app like live in six locations in uh, uh, let's say five minutes. Do not say one. <laughs> the time like it builds and deploys a container because we still have we need to pull your image and so forth all around the world. So it takes some uh, a few minutes. But um, um, and the the main thing is like um, if you have a non-standard configuration uh, or anything like uh, yeah. That might be uh, uh, slow you down a bit, uh, but if it's standout, um, or if you have a Docker file, it's really like a, a question of minutes. So. Yeah, I think that's something that you definitely can't say for some of the other major cloud providers. It takes a bit more than five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and so when we announced um, last week the four additional regions, uh, the fact that you can now, now deploy in six regions across the world uh, with like everything automatically set up um, is pretty like it's exciting to us. Like uh, our our tagline was uh, uh, the fastest way to deploy applications globally, and the globally was meant to deploy across the world. Um, so we had two regions before, now we have six. So uh, we're really excited about the fact that you can do it. Uh, that it's a reality today. So um, it's no more an issue if you want to reach like uh, uh, people in different markets all around the world, you can now do it. Um, you still have some work to do. Your app needs to 
to work in this context, but we're making the infrastructure side of it like, that simple. So, um, yeah. And you can actually combine, I mean, you still have like tough challenges on the database side, um, but you can combine with other technologies. Um, and we're going to provide you manage Postgres um, and to distribute like the cache. You can combine with uh, partners like Polyscale, for instance, who is doing a great job at like uh, caching data at the edge. Um, so, um, yeah, we're pretty, we're really excited about like the number of edge technologies which are coming up uh, to basically improve the experience for end users. Um, yeah. Is there uh, anything else that we should ask you about or anything else you'd like to cover? There's plenty of things we talk about, but it's more about you. <laughs> <laughs> What's your um and actually uh, no you're the guest it's about you right and the listeners uh you know the audience yeah we can cue the um the beauty and the beast song be our guest <laughs> <laughs> cool i don't know i think we should move on to picks then does that sound good yeah yeah all right yeah. jillian have you got a pick for us I do. Um, I've been using this library pretty heavily called AWS Logs. It's like a Python package. And what it does is that you can give it the prefix to your CloudWatch logs and it will pretty much like tail in real time all the logs, which is really nice. If say you're doing something on AWS that creates a whole bunch of tasks and each one of those tasks have their own logs and you don't want to spend all day clicking around in the CloudWatch console, uh, AWS Omics, I'm looking at you. You know, instead you can just use this AWS logs and you give it the, like the prefix to the logs that you want and it just tails them in real time and it's like nicely colored and all that. And then the other one is a platform that I haven't dug too deeply in, but I think it looks really interesting and it's called Cube. And it's the, it's like a semantic, what do they call themselves? Cube.dev, the semantic layer for every data application. And it's, just it, it's like a really interesting way, I think, of thinking about data within an application and that kind of the previous way to do it when you have a web application is that you would have like a database and then you would have a model from each one of your tables. And that was kind of as far as the model went. And then anything past that, you had to kind of freewheel. Whereas um, with Cube, like your models are more the queries themselves. So you're really getting into kind of a finer you know, level of control and detail with any of your data. So I just thought that was really interesting. And it connects to just about everything, as far as I can tell. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any kind of major data providers that it doesn't connect to, but all the ones that I checked were there. And then I guess for my last pick, um, it's going to be the Kangamangas Highway through the White Mountains in New Hampshire. I went and did that drive. I haven't done it for a long time. So I went and did it with my kids and they were like suitably impressed and they're kind of hard to impress <laughs> these days because my oldest is 12 and she's just like too cool for everything. And then, you know, and then the other one kind of like copies her, but they, they thought it was cool. We were like driving into the clouds and um, it was pretty, there was waterfalls. It was like a good time was had by all. Right on. So it's late August. Mm-hmm. Um, were you getting any fall colors up there yet? Just a little bit. There was yeah. starting to be like a couple places where we were like, look, like, look at the autumn. I'm going to take my kids on an autumn trip because I feel like it's terrible that we're uh, New Englanders and my kids have never actually seen autumn because we've been 
you know, living in the desert for most of their lives. But that is being fixed this yeah. October. Yeah. Not um, not a lot of autumn activity in the in the desert. <laughs> no, no, not not so much. Not so much. What happened? Where are you based? Uh, I mean, so that's complicated. I, you know, so I'm American and I'm from New Hampshire, but my husband has a job in Doha, Qatar. So we live here for like most of the year. And then we're in the U.S. for summers and Christmas. And um, I don't know, sometimes other times, you know, just as they like come up. So my kids, but my kids, you know, they go to school here. They were born here. They were raised here. Cool. All right, man. What about you, Jan? You have a pick for us? I was actually looking at new books I just got. I'm so it's funny thing is I love I love these books, but I never managed to read them in full. I, I just like start them and not and I stop not because I'm I, I don't like them, but uh, so I just received two new books. Uh, one which was gifted by my my partner yesterday which is called atomic habits oh yeah uh, yeah it's actually uh, uh i started to uh, just started to intro but i'm really curious about it and just uh, and so i actually have a few other ones which are interested in terms of uh, leadership and uh, yeah also trying to be uh, uh i'd say it's more personal development. Uh, so this one is uh, I'm I read like one chapter from Simon Sinek Leaders Blast uh, already, uh, but it's a it's an interesting thing. I, I love things about like leadership in general and trying to uh, uh, understand different ways um, from how things and basically. Um, and mostly on how to build organizations which are oriented towards the teams um, and trying to understand how to uh, give more power to people in organizations. Uh, so that's like a, a, a key subject I love. Uh, and um, and actually this one, which is, uh, I also started, um, and it's actually called The Great CEO Within, uh, but it's uh, so I suppose it's all it's written towards you, but I don't think it matters uh, because it's also about uh, uh, how to organize, uh, basically. And I think it's a pretty interesting uh, topic. Uh, so that's my three picks of today. Nice. And South Africa is also a, a, a related to visiting, is also a pick uh, because I visited a few weeks ago and it's an amazing country. Uh, where right did you on. Visit? Sorry, where, where? Hmm? in Cape Town. Oh, okay. Yeah, my favorite part about reading books like that is um, reading them, not implementing anything that they suggest, and then wondering my, why my life hasn't changed for the better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I feel that way about just like buying books sometimes. Like right? if I just buy the book, <laughs> yeah. like, um, that's, there's a lot of commitment. <laughs> Yeah, and along those lines, I'm um, looks like I'm about halfway through Developer Hegemony by Eric Dietrich, and this one's actually it's pretty it's an entertaining read because it talks about the future of labor and specific to software engineering and how you fit into a company, and it addresses the fact that there's like 
three different types of employees, the idealist, the pragmatist, and the optimist, and how, um, you know, for most of us, our, you know, like our career progression has been stay at a company for a while and then jump to another company for a bigger raise that you wouldn't get by staying at the same company. And so it directly tackles that. And uh, it's been pretty entertaining so far. It might might actually be relevant to you, Jan, as you're building your company and adding employees and trying to figure out ways to help make them successful in your company. Yeah, that's a good one. Definitely. Yeah, it's really, uh, I mean, it's, um, it's a concept in building a culture where people thrive. I mean, in this regard, uh, there is another one which I went further down uh, in, uh, in the meeting. Which is yeah, uh, I think it's this one. This one was really good, like Enchantment by D. Kawasaki. Uh, it's actually a really nice book. So it's about like basically building a culture of posit- of positivity to try to uh, which is rewarding and self rewarding somehow. Um, so yeah, right on. Cool. Well, the last thing, the thing that I always forget, I actually remembered this time. How can people get in con- in touch with you if they want to learn more about your platform or just get in touch so, with you and pitch you on something? You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm Jan, uh, I mean, oh, should we call it Zitter or X? Uh, that's another topic, but uh, uh, on Twitter, uh, you can... Uh, reach out to me, I'm Jan underscore EU, um, and you can anyway reach out to us through our um, support channel on community uh, Slack channels. Um, and I'm, I'm also leading there and available there. Right on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a, a cool conversation. Yeah, thanks. This has been fun. Thank you for having me. It's great to talk to you. Right on. Anytime. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we will see you all next week.